Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Back in the fall, actually November, I did a series called Are We There Yet? We just looked in the scripture about where are we in the end time narrative. I mean, you hear all the things going on and see all the things happening and the question's always raised, you know, is Jesus coming soon? I believe we're a generation that could see his return. I believe we're in a unique time moment in life than any other that have happened before us, but that could be a possibility. And so you can go back. I don't want to rehash that, but you can go back and grab that. It was in November, I think, and and see that series on there. But that was the second half of Daniel. That's the last six chapters of Daniel. Daniel's a 12-chapter book, and the first six chapters of Daniel is is historical accounts, um, great stories, history. And what you need to understand is the Old Testament is not in chronological order. The Old Testament really is, in, is um, grouped. The books are grouped by their meaning, their topic. Uh, for instance, Daniel's in the group of the prophetic books. You'll see major and minor prophets. Not that one was more important than the other. Major prophets are bigger, longer books, and minor prophets are shorter books. So there's the prophetic books. There's the poetry books. That would be Psalms and Proverbs. There's historical books. Uh, there's the books of the law, those kind of things. And so Daniel's interesting, however. Daniel is half historical and half prophetic. And in fact, the second half of Daniel, which we studied um, to, about the end times, well, is about the end times, end time prophecy. But I think even though we look at the first half of Daniel as a historical book, I believe it's not by happenstance that they're put together. I believe God intentionally put them together because maybe, just maybe, the first half, the historical half, is prophetic itself. Because when you know the book of Daniel, which is what we're studying, the first half, the book of Daniel, the first half is about um, the people of God's people being overcome by their enemy and being put into prison or captivity or in exile. And now here's God's people living in an ungodly culture. And this ungodly culture is trying to get them to compromise, trying to get them to turn away from the things of God and embrace the secular world round about them. Now, can I go back and say, I think the first six books, albeit historical books, probably are prophetic books in and of themselves. Okay, my, me and first service people. I almost fell right there. Me and first service people. Okay, and here's why, here's why I believe that, because understanding the world that we live in today, would it not be true to say that our culture, as godly people, if you will, we're living in a culture that's becoming increasingly ungodly? And it's pulling on us all the time. All the time it's pulling on us and trying to get us to live different than what perhaps our convictions are. And we need to be people that are willing to be godly people in an ungodly world or increasingly ungodly world. And in fact, if we we could go back through history of America, it was founded on godly principles. And I don't think those are necessarily the things that are guiding us today and on into our futures. So, but we as believers, as Christ followers rather, we can take a stand and should take a stand and be people that will not compromise no matter what's happening in the world around about us. So this is a great story. I do think it's prophetic. I think it speaks to the world that we live in today, but it gives us some great things that we can look at to really make sure that we're living life uh, in a way that will honor God, and that is the best way, no matter what's happening around about us. And, and can I say this before we move on and we get into Daniel 1.1? 1, 1. Um, that's not just in the world we live in, that's also in church. Uh, let's just, just be real. I mean, compromise isn't just in our secular world, it is influenced or infiltrated even church. And and some of the things that we're hearing and and people are talking about being okay with aren't lining up with the word. And we need to live a life that lines up with the word of God. Because here's what I know, culture changes all the time, God does not. 
He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And let me say this, he's always relevant. He's always relevant. So let's take a look. Let's start with the story. Here we go. Daniel 1, 1, and you can get your live notes and follow along. In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem, besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into, the, into his hand along with some of the articles of the temple of God. These he carried off in the temple of his God in Babylonia and put them in the treasure house of his God. A real major slam. Uh, the temple of God was uh, all the things that were taken and put into this Babylonian temple. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, uh, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family, some of the captives, young men, now listen, young men without physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick, quick to understand, and qualified to serve as a pastor of Tree of Life Church. Oh, wait, no, that's, that was my... I said, I got the job. No, okay, I'm just kidding. Okay, here we go. Uh, Don't laugh so hard. Uh, He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, which totally violated their um, Hebrew diet. God had a specific diet, things they were to eat, things they were not to eat. And so they were giving them food that went against their assignment from God. Um, and they were to be tre- uh, trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, or as we'll find out in just a moment, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In fact, probably most of us probably don't even know that that's the real names. We just know because some of us learned from flannel graphs, but some of us watched Veggie Tales, right? Sh- come on, Shadrach, Meshach. And many, I think is what it was, I don't know, and in the fiery furnace. So, so the story is about these four godly men, young men, and this world trying to pull them in to their culture, trying to get them to compromise, trying to, to get them to give up their convictions and live a different way. And these men, young men, take a stand, teenagers. So what do you do when culture shifts and you're faced with compromise? Because we always are. Compromise is always testing us. Culture is always text, testing us. When culture shifts, will you? Because culture changes, but God does not. You know, in November, I, I turned 50. I joined the ranks of 50 and up. And so I, I'm, I'm still of an age that I remember, maybe, maybe more for reruns, but I remember watching TV or reruns of TV back in the day where a husband and wife did not sleep in the same bed. In fact, when we went on a trip with some friends over the, over the holiday, they invited us up. They, someone blessed them with a wonderful uh, house at, at, in Colorado. Uh, the only thing was, the only room that was left, it had single beds. And so we're walking into it, and the guy said, hey, you get to be like Lucy and Ricky. <laughs> and we knew what that meant, or I knew what that meant. I knew what that meant. <clears throat> but you remember that, right, back in the day. But now today, culture's changed over and over and over again. And now you see a uh, husband and wife, and man and wife in uh, the bed together, and, and that's, okay, that's okay, that's appropriate. But then you see boyfriend and girlfriend, you see boyfriend and boyfriend, you see girlfriend and girlfriend. It's changed, it's changed a lot, hasn't it? So culture's changing constantly and trying to get us to accept those things outside of God's word and, and, and God's want and desire to be acceptable. He's trying to, he's trying to get us to compromise. And so we, we see culture changing all the time. And so it's important for us to know what are we gonna do when culture shifts or culture changes. I tell my kids all the time, as a parent, 17 and 18 year old, that you're not supposed to be like everyone else. If you wanna live like no one else, live like no one else. 
We're different. You can't lead if you're running with the pack. However you say that, we say that. We want them to live a certain way. And as a pastor, I hear things all the time. I talk to people all the time and about things that they're doing or involved in or their kids and family. And I hear all the time about different stuff. And a lot of times I just want to say, and doesn't that bother you? And you're okay with that? And not from a judgmental standpoint, but a, but a reflective standpoint. Uh, somehow, sometimes we, we drift in, and culture can come in so subtly, perhaps. Sometimes it just grabs you, but sometimes it's so subtle, and, and we find ourselves being okay with things that we know are not okay to be with. And if we ever get to that point where those things don't bother us anymore, then there's a problem. They should bother us. And a lot of people will say, well, I can see that, and I can watch that now, and I can look on that, and I can do that, and I can eat that, and I can drink that, and I can go there and be with them. I can listen to that, and I can go there. And there are many things that are happening all around us that, doesn't, that don't bother us anymore that actually really kind of should. And, and I'm not here to tell you right and wrong. That's, we're not that church that's going to stand up here and pound right and wrong and do this and don't do that. I mean, my job as the pastor and our heart for this church is to connect you in a greater capacity to God. Because the closer we can help you get to God, the Holy Spirit will tell you what's right and what's wrong. Amen? The Holy Spirit will speak to you. Hey, 21 days is your opportunity to make sure that you haven't been desensitized to some things and you can dial in the Holy Spirit a little clearer because he's always talking. Sometimes we desensitize ourselves because what we're involved in. And so we let the Holy Spirit speak to us. We, what do we do when culture shifts and it's shifting? It's shifting all the time. And Typically, instead of us modifying ourselves to line up with the word, we try and modify the word to line up with the world. Daniel 1.7, let's take a look. Here's what it says. Keep on with the story. The chief official gave them new names, gave those four Hebrew boys new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Here's the number one, the first goal of culture, it will try to rename you. Culture will try to change your identity. An issue today, we have identity issues today. We don't even know who we are anymore. We don't know our purpose in life. We don't know what God's created us for. We face identity issues and culture's trying to give you or change your identity. You realize God has given you an identity and a destiny that's better than anything the world could ever give you or offer you. And the culture wants to come in and change that. It will try to rename you. And compromising causes us to lose our identity. It really causes us to lose us. It will cause you to lose you. It tries to change you from who God made you to be like what the world wants you to be like. And it's a direct assault on your God-given identity, your God-given destiny. There's no way the world could offer you anything better than God. He's God. He's the creator. How can the world offer anything better than the creator who created you for something amazing, something awesome? You know, the, the, the enemy wants to, let me go here for a minute. The enemy wants to um, steal your identity, change your identity. And let me say this, uh, starting in January, and if you're a guest or visitor, thanks for coming out today. <laughs> Come back. <laughs> but here's, here's the thing. We need to identify with a local church. 
because everything's about taking our identity or compromising our identity, we need to then identify, part of our protection and safety is identifying with a local group of believers. And now, it doesn't have to be this church. I recommend this church, but can I tell you, there's a lot of great churches in the area, and if this one doesn't do it for you, you don't think it's, come talk to me. I have great relationships with some great pastors in the area. The point is, you need to identify with a body of believers because no one, myself included, is strong enough to stand alone in our culture today. And let me take it a step farther. Not only should you identify, and as we talk about, that's why I have membership, identify with a group of local believers. Understand this, you can come to church every Sunday, come and go, come and go, and never meet anybody, never know anybody. You can sit in a row and hide in a row, right? You can hide in a row, but you can't hide in a circle. So not only do you need, every one of us needs to identify with a local body of believers, then we need to identify within that body with a group of people that we build close relationship with and we can do life together because then when we get to the place where culture's pulling on us and culture's subtly uh, getting into our lives, someone will say, doesn't that bother you? Because we can't see it ourselves or we're spending too much time hanging out with the people that have already bought into the culture. And so we need that. In order for us to keep our God-given identity, we need to identify with a, a local group of believers, and then within that group, we need to identify with a group of people that we can share with intimately, and they can speak into our lives, and we can speak in their lives, and they're watching our blind spots, and they're asking us, are you okay with that? It's important for us to understand that. So we'll try and rename us. <clears throat> you know, I, a quick story. The enemy's always trying to put labels and get us off of what God wants to do. I just, for me, I, I, it's amazing that I feel like that I'm standing up here today just simply because, can I tell you, when I was in college on my college tour, when I was, I don't know it was my third or fourth, anyways, but when I was in college, I went to Texas State, or back in the day, come on, Southwest Texas, I went to Southwest Texas, okay, anyway, that was a long time ago. And so I failed my speech class, I failed it. Three speeches, I did the first one so bad, I, I took zeros on the next two, I'm not doing that, I'm not getting up in front of people. And so, but, I, but in, in college, I, I needed speech, and so uh, I went to SAC, San Antonio College, and I, all I did was I took one speech class. I, I, I thought I could, maybe, I, maybe this, this is SAC, maybe I, maybe I could get it to work. And so I, I did my, my first speech, and, and it was horrible, and I did my second speech, and it was worse, and I, I thought, I'm never going to pass ever speech, and I was, I was really kind of intimidated. I, I had self-esteem issues, if you will. I, I was just fearful of getting up in front of people. I, I didn't want to do it, and then finally, somehow... The professor, after my third and final speech, had such mercy on me, he passed me. But here's why, let me tell you why, and it's because there's a story to that. Because it wasn't because my speech was good, it was terrible like all the other ones, but it was because at part of your grade was uh, people asking questions, engaged in your topic, asking questions. And mine went on forever, mine went on for the whole class. I had the, most, I had the worst speech, but it was the most interesting. Okay. So now you're begging to, to know, what, well, what, what that speech was then. And I'm going to tell you, but don't tell anybody else. Okay? Let's keep it right here. I, at one point in time in my life, was, this is going to shock you, I was an armadillo wrangler. Yeah. There really is such a thing. There is. And I was, thank you, mom. Mom's falling out of a chair laughing. Yeah, she remembers this. Thanks, mom. Feeling that love right now. So I was an arm. I had the cowboy hat. I had cowboy boots. I had the big belt. I the cowboy shirt, and we went around and did little things like, it was kind of an anti-drug thing, and we did the Texas seven-banded armadillo, and, and can I tell you, I was afraid of those things. I don't know why I was doing that, but I, I, I was an armadillo wrangler, and I shared that in my speech, and everybody wanted to know, just like you, would, what is an armadillo wrangler? 
and actually was enough to get me a passing grade. Not a lot of respect, but passing grade, so I'll take the grade. So I was terrified, intimidated. Can I tell you, I'm so thankful I didn't buy into the enemy's identity for my life because then God had a different plan for me. Then I get to speak in front of crowds now. That shy, embarrassed, intimidated, low self-esteem, terrible public speaker. Don't buy in. Don't buy into the world's label. God has something better for you. You may not even know all the things that God has for you. But God is a faithful God. Trust him with everything. He has a better identity for you than this world does. You know, that's why we have the growth track. I want to encourage you, the growth track will come up here pretty soon and we want to get you in it because you find out we have a class in there to learn your spiritual gifts. So you can find out why God wired you the way he did so you can get involved in what God has for you. So let's take a look at these four names, a new identity. I don't know if you know this and probably most of you do not know. We know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but we don't know, number one, probably uh, their Hebrew name, uh, the Hebrew names, and we probably don't even know what their Babylonian names, but it's really interesting. In fact, this is gonna shock you. So let's look at the Hebrew name and that, that was given by God, and then let's look at the culture or the Babylonian culture name. First on Daniel means God is my judge, means I, and I answer to God. Daniel's saying, I answer to God and God alone. I'm here to serve and please God. That's his Hebrew name. The Babylonian name was Belteshazzar, which means lady protect the king. Isn't that interesting? I'll let that sink in for a second. A new identity, completely different. Focus on that is from, the focus on that would be from God to man. Don't listen to God. God doesn't have it right. Culture does, the world does. Let's give you this different label here. Hananiah. Hananiah's Hebrew name, Yahweh has been gracious. What amazing God I serve. How good has God been to me? I mean, I can't tell you how wonderful he's been. I'm so thankful for God. God has been gracious. To Shadrach, I am fearful of God. Be afraid of God. He's mean, he's judgmental, he's mad at you. He wants to punish you. The focus from God is good to God is bad. The world would tell you, you don't want to serve God. You don't get to have any fun. You got to live by all these rules and regulations and commandments. You're going to be weird. People are going to persecute you. You're going to be some wild-eyed fanatic. Don't live that way. Can I tell you, everything God has written for you is for your good. Everything. God is a good God. He's a faithful God. He's a loving God. Listen to the next one, Mishael. Hebrew name. Who is what God is? I'm in awe of God. Who compares to him? He has no rival. He has no equal. Incomparable. Come on. Show me some love, my Spanish speakers. Come on, show me some love. All right. I practiced it between service. I, I messed it up bad for service. Okay. So, uh, God is awesome. Confident. There's a confidence in who God is. Listen to his, his uh, Babylonian name. Meshach. I am despised, contemptible, and humiliated. That's what his name meant. It's a Babylonian name. It goes from confidence to cowardice. Confidence to cowardice. Because we hear this all the time. You Christians, be quiet over there. You keep your religion to yourself. Hey, you need to hush. You need to be quiet. It wants us to be wimpy people. 
Christians need to take yourself somewhere else. Trying to make Christians cowards. Hey, we need confidence that there is no one like our God, amen? The last one, Azariah, Yahweh has helped. God is involved in my life. He is there. I wouldn't be here today without him. He's there every step of the way. He will never leave me or forsake me to the Babylonian name of Abednego, servant of Nebo. The focus on that is from son to slave. But we love that story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But really what was happening was culture was trying to rename those young men. But you know what? They didn't buy into that, did they? Because Jesus showed up in the fiery furnace. Come on. When you don't give in to culture, when you don't compromise, come on, look what happens. It's better this way. Had they compromised and bought in those names, we'd be reading a different ending to that story. We don't have to compromise. That's not the way to get ahead. That's not the way to accomplish and achieve things. Do not compromise who you are. Be secure in your identity in Christ. You have to know who you are. Get in a group and find someone to help you. Daniel 1.8, continue the story. Here we go. But Daniel resolved, love that word, was committed, dedicated, not to defile himself with the royal food and wine because it went against who he was and the statutes of God. And he asked the chief official for permission. He asked him for permission not to defile himself in that way. Here's what I love about this part of the story. Daniel resolved within himself, I don't care what they do, I'm gonna live this way for God. It does not say Daniel got in the face of that guy and said, you can't make me and you're going to hell and you better repent, buddy. You know the biggest turn off to Christianity is Christians? Christians can be some of the meanest judgmental people. We wanna go out there and just get in people's face and tell them what's for and think that that's honoring to God. And Daniel's like, I'm just gonna hold on to my convictions. You don't have to change me, but I'm not gonna get in your face because one day I want my life to speak louder than my words and for there be an opportunity for you to come around and know my God. So he stuck to his convictions. He didn't argue, he didn't threaten, he didn't condemn. You need to be resolved to stick strong to your convictions like he did. Why is this so important? Because culture will try to tame you. Culture will try and rename you. Culture will try and tame you. It will try and tame you. It will try and make us people with no convictions. Wishy-washy. We're on one side, the next, the other side. We love playing the fence. We love doing all that. That's what culture tries. It tries to tame us. We need to have a strong conviction of putting God first. I give God the first part of my time. My strong convictions, I give God my first part of my time. That's why I'm gonna be here at 6 a.m. I know it doesn't work for other people, but tomorrow I'm gonna be here at 6 a.m. Listen, I give God the first of my fruits of my finances. I believe in the tithe, I believe in that. That's my conviction, you're not gonna talk me out of that otherwise. That's my, I'm resolved to do that. It's not gonna tame me. As a church, we give God the first part of January, which we've already said, to seek his face. This is a time to set aside to make sure that we put God first. You do that individually as well. We, the, can, can, you know why? Because life is beyond our natural abilities. Can I tell you this church is beyond my natural ability? It's beyond your natural ability. What God has done and what God wants to do is beyond us. It's not by might, not by power, but by his spirit, says the Lord. Amen? And we need to know that. We need to give him first place. And I'm blown away by what God's done. Just looking at the reports we shared, the, small, the few things Hey, and can I tell you, hey, I'm just a former armadillo wrangler. <laughs> if not for God, come on. God wants to do great things in your life. 
Every time culture shifts, it's gonna try and bring your convictions with it. Don't lose your convictions. Do what the Lord shows you. Daniel 1, 9 through 10, let's take a look. Here's what it says. Now God has caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, hey, I'm gonna go along with this, but I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has assigned me to your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse? Why should you follow your conviction? You know Daniel following your convictions, following that God, you're gonna be worse for that? Come on, are you serious? Following God, you're gonna be worse? That's the world's mindset. You're gonna be worse than the other young men your age. The king would have my head then because of you. Come on, following God, you'll never come out worse in this world. This world has nothing for us. That's why Jesus came. Following God is everything. The world has nothing for us. You're not gonna be worse by following God. Let's see what it says in verse seven. Here's what it, I'm sorry, 11. It goes on and says, Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test, test us. Please test us for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Test us for 10 days. You know the number 10 in the scripture and the Bible always means testing. The 10 commandments, the tithe, 10%, it tests you every time. It does. 10 days in the upper room before the Holy Spirit fell. All through the Bible, the 10 virgins, the 10 lamps, testing, it's all testing. So you're gonna be, you're gonna be tested. Culture will test you. Every day culture will test you. And then he says, then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food, who give in or, or live the way the world does, the culture does, and treat your servants in accordance to what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. You know that also we're talking about the 21 day fast, a big part of that for people is the Daniel fast. That's where the Daniel fast comes in. 10 days of vegetables and water. You can read it, you can go on our website and find more about it, but it was a, it was a testing there. When culture shifts, there's always a test involved. There will always be a moment of testing and see if you will compromise or not. There will always be a test. Culture will always have a tension point. Why? Because culture is always trying to claim you as its own. Number three, it will try and claim you. Culture will try and claim you. There's a battle for you right now. God's pulling one way, the world the other, and you get to cast the deciding vote. When culture asks you to compromise, never give in to the pressure. And there will be pressure because you'll always be tested. Daniel 1, 15, let's finish out the story and the message. Here we go. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier, hmm, surprise, and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, he interrogated them, he interviewed them, and he found none equal. He found none equal to the ones that did not compromise. We think our path to success, we think our path to blessing is by compromising and doing things the world's way. No, it's by being an uncompromised person in a compromising situation or world. The king talked with them. He found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, so they entered the king's service. In every matter, say every matter. Every matter. 
Don't compromise one area of your life. Follow God in every matter, in every area. Start this year by making commitments to get things in order, to not compromise, to get things in line with God's plan and purpose. And every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better. Say 10 times better. 10 times better than all the wisdom of the world. Can I tell you, living an uncompromised life is 10 times better than living a compromised life. Living a life following and standing up for God is 10 times better than living for the world, no matter how good it looks. Can I tell you, putting God first in your marriage is 10 times better than not. Can I tell you, putting God first in your parenting is 10 times better than letting the world raise your kids. Can I tell you, putting God first in your finances, bringing the tithe in the storehouse is 10 times better for your finances than not. It works. It works. I'll take my word, take his word. Can I tell you what? 2018 can be 10 times better. Hey, I had a great 2017, but if I can get 10 times better, sign me up. But I make the decision. You make the decision. Come on, church, let's let 2018 be 10 times better. Hey, we saw some great stuff on the screen, but let's do 10 times better this year for the kingdom of God. Not for our own glory, but for his glory. Because eventually, 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 guess what happened? The young men, the godly men that did not compromise, that were not uh, uh, affected by the culture, they actually changed the culture. They changed it. So if we live putting God first, and we're not, we're not gonna be mistake free, but thank God for his goodness, mercy, and grace. If we'll commit ourselves, and we're right here, at the, right here at the beginning of the year, make the decisions to get in line with God's word. Make the decisions not to compromise, no matter what, no matter what. To live uncompromised. God's promise is that our life can be 10 times better than it is. And I tell you, God is a faithful God, and he is true to his word. This is a prophetic book. Oh yeah, it's got some great historical stuff in it. But we are living in a time that culture is trying to get each and every one of us to compromise. But if we will take our stand and live godly in an ungodly world, the faithful God, the powerful God, the mighty God we serve will be there every step of the way and help us live a better life. He is watching over his word to perform it. He's just looking for people like those four Hebrews that are willing to trust him. That's our year. We stand on the cusp of a new year that we need to be making commitments that we are not gonna compromise and get some things in order and allow God to perform his word in our life. He is faithful. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.